1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 131, and we are recording on Monday, July 11th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you today? I am better than I am
2: on most Mondays. Let's (laughs) let's just leave it at that. But no, I am good. It has been... uh, That that silence does not board well. Oh, no, it it has it has been good. It's uneventful. Uneventful. We've been sick for the past three weeks. Oh, ew! And we're finally looking towards recovery. So now everything just feels like a haze. <laughs> so we're returning back to life, basically. So it's, that's why it's all good. It's all good. How are you? <laughs>
1: um. Well, we didn't. I didn't. Haven't had the sickness to deal with, but feeling. It was uneventful. Today was uneventful. I had one of my coworkers. she came in, uh, her shift started right as my shift ended, and she came in, she's like, how's your day been today? And I just kind of looked at her blankly, and I was like, good, I think. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't recall anything super stressful. No one yelled at me today. Um, yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't know what to think anymore. Don't know what to, like, you know what, when things go uneventfully, I feel like we don't know how to process it anymore. We live no. in such a state of like hyperstimulation. It's like, are we is is are we dead? Is this how what are we supposed to like?
1: You know, like or you think like if I've forgotten something, is something yes. missing? I'm usually so stressed out and so angry and upset all the time yes. when I'm not. I'm yeah, just like, like
2: am I being excluded? Like, like yeah. sec- you know what's going on. Yeah, where's where's the catch? <laughs> where's the catch? So yeah, it was a pretty like that kind of a Monday. Like I I love it. I love when we, like that we're adding stress when there is no stress to our days. But that that's that's life now. So <laughs> it is, and it's kind of confusing. <laughs> but what are you reading, Katie?
1: I actually have something to report that uh, is not one of the books that I'm going to talk about later in the episode. I mean, granted. <laughs> I, okay, so I just started the audio version of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Barrett. and I am, let's see, I started it on my way home from work, so I'm about 20 minutes into the audiobook, but I am excited to reread this one. This was a book I read probably close to 10 years ago. I had a coworker that really loved this book. And I decided to reread it because next month Blaine and I are taking... A two-week road trip through the Carolinas and through Savannah. And so we're gonna be in Savannah for a few days. And I thought, well, this is the perfect time for me to reread Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Because, you know, it's for those of you who have read the book, you know it is it is just an absolute classic of like narrative nonfiction of narrative true crime writing, and like character, like nonfiction character studies, it is just such a classic. And the book looks at the a murder that took place in the early '80s about the the people involved and the history and all of the and all of this stuff. And it really goes deep into the history of Savannah. And the house that's at the center of the story, the Mercer House, that's a really, really well known historical mansion in Savannah that you can do tours through. And that's on our itinerary to uh, tour when we're in Savannah. So I'm just trying to reacclimate myself to the events of the book and, you know, the the places and stuff so that when we do visit, that it will, I could be like, oh yeah, I read about that. I read about that. Because it's always fun when you've read about a place and then you go there and visit and you're just like, oh, I feel like I know what's happening right now. So yeah, I am very excited to continue listening to this already. I really like the narrator. His voice is it's smooth and it's unobtrusive. So it's not invading, you know, it's, it's not like making me aware that he's narrating an audiobook. And when he does the, when he does a Southern accent for some of the characters, it sounds natural. It doesn't sound forced. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound exaggerated. So I'm hoping that this will be a really good audiobook that I can just kind of slip into and hopefully finish by the time we actually arrive in Savannah. I love that. So yeah. So what about, what about you? Have you started anything new or exciting? Uh,
2: Before I start what I've been unsuccessfully reading, I will say this about Savannah. It's gorgeous. And the book itself and like the crime that is centered around it, it's very, I don't know if you've been to Savannah before. I have not. Okay. So because it's a very heavy part of the history of Savannah and like when you're walking through the streets like the cover of the book like of course the tourism is based on that but you see like weird reminders of it everywhere and i don't know it's just, it's a spoo- it's a spooky place it's it's a place very much caught in time and you know mm. like caught in a certain time in history and it's gorgeous and the food is amazing like you
1: oh oh my gosh, I cannot wait to eat myself yes. silly on this trip. I'm just saying. Yeah, you have to eat like in the hole in the wall kind of places. Do not go to any main
2: chain, like just keep walking down the street and like just you cannot go wrong in any place over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. We used to like I meant, we used to live in Atlanta for five years. So we used to go to Savannah often and it was gorgeous. Okay, what have I been reading? <laughs> <laughs> I have been I think I mentioned this before. I have been trying to read Book of Cold cases by Simon St James on and off, and then I finally got a chance to uh, at the hands to get it in my hands on the audiobook, which is one of the narrators of it is Kirsten Potter mm-hmm. and she's a fantastic narrator, and the audiobook I think that was it that was how I had to crack the code uh, i'm thirty three percent in and the reviews for this one were very mixed and i don't understand why because to me this is one of her stronger works it's basically about uh, our protagonist she works as in an administration at a medical facility in her day as a day, day job and then at her as her passion project she has this website she maintains called the book of cold cases where she bas- basically goes in these rabbit holes of Untold cases or even solve cases and you know makes her own theories. It's basically reddit for crimes and she maintains it and she has it's a very close-knit community and during one of her shifts she runs into an acquitted female serial killer who basically like you know who was never they could never charge her, they could never find even enough evidence. And that's always been like a mystery of whether she did it or not. And she gets a chance to get an interview with her. And I don't know. It's, it's, I read the sundown motel and that was great. But this is, it's so 33%. And it's a very strong work. The, The characterization is great. Dialogue is great. The narration is great. So I'm really enjoying that one. I, it's been slow because as I mentioned, we've been sick and. Our brain, my brain just stops I I know people read when they're sick. My brain just stops working when I'm sick. I never read anything when I'm sick. So I had to take a bit of a pause. But that's something that I am really enjoying actually. But just slowly making my way through.
1: Getting your your brain back up to speed. Yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our first sponsor. <laughs>
0: This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show.
3: That he will have seven great loves in his life, and then he meets Irena in '95, and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is she's number six so if he is to have seven great loves does that mean his time with arena is going to come to an end so this is a love letter to western pop culture eastern traditions and being a first generation new yorker make sure to check it out and thanks again to flat iron books publisher of 888 love and the divine burden of numbers by abraham Chang, for sponsoring this episode mm-hmm.
1: All right, so if you are a new listener, welcome. We are so delighted to have you. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so happy that you continue to download our show and put us in your ear holes every two weeks. So, like I said at the beginning, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and suspense and true crime and pretty much anything that falls under that umbrella. And I feel like we've already covered like a bunch of those topics already in just like the first five minutes. But this is the part of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, because God's Honest Truth, we use these ideas so frequently to help us plan future episodes. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to listen to. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if there is a sub-genre that you are interested in, or if you're looking for read-alikes for a particular author, or you want to talk about something that happened in the news, or a movie adaptation, anything like that, just let us know. We always put our contact information in here. You can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We'll have all of that info at the end of the show and in the show notes. So you don't have to get it down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you're listening to the show. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from our listeners. So please feel free to send us a message if you feel so inclined. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. With that, we've got a couple of news items that we wanted to mention really quickly, the first one, unfortunately, is a sad bit of news for any of you who may have read Susie Steiner's novels. Uh, she unfortunately passed away earlier this month on July 2nd from a brain tumor. Um, she is most well known for her uh, Menon Bradshaw series, which included the books Missing Presumed, Persons Unknown, and... Remain Silent was another one of her books. I don't know if that was part of the series or not. But these were books that I was familiar with when they came out. I remember when they were released, like I recognized the covers. Uh, and her, for whatever reason, her name stuck in my head. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to read any of her books. But I know that they that they were quite popular. And of course, 51 is just such such a young age for any for anyone to pass away. But if you were, yeah, if you were a fan of her writing, you know, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but maybe this will be an opportunity for you, for you to reread or revisit some of her stories. And for the rest of us, hopefully, you know, it'll be an impetus for us to jump in and see what we've missed over the last few years. Were you, I don't know, Nazra, were you familiar at all with with her writing?
2: Uh, I was not, but it, it is indeed sad news. May she rest in peace. And I definitely, you know, like you said, this has given me an opportunity to explore more. And in other news, we have the CWA Dagger Awards. They were announced. Uh The CWA stands for Crime Writers Association. And I think we've mentioned this before, but these are basically uh, crime oh, mystery awards based in the UK. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kitty, right? That is, I believe that is correct. Yes, yes. Uh, And as I was going through the list, I mentioned this to Katie before. I was like, I only know one book in all of this. And that is fantastic news because that means that there is work to be done. There's, you know, there's more books to be explored. And that in itself is exciting. And they have some fantastic categories. Like they have a CWA Gold Dagger category, which has Sunset Swing by Ray Celestin. Um, there's an Ian Fleming Steel Dagger, a historical dagger. One of the ones that I know is a CWA John Creasy (Parentheses New Blood) Dagger and Appeal by Janice Hallett won. That dagger, and it's this is a fantastic book. If you have not read it, then there's another one, CWA Dagger in the Library. I love this. It's so on brand. But yeah, if you are looking for, you know, maybe expanding your reading horizons or if you have a trip coming up to the UK and just want to splurge on books that may not have been, I think some of these are published in the U.S. as well, but some of them are scheduled to be published later, then this is the perfect list to peruse. I know my husband's going to Australia next week, and I have a list of books that (laughs) I'm asking him to bring me, and the condition is that they're not published in the U.S. yet. So I'm excited for that. Stay tuned for that one. But
1: yeah. Oh, I try to get my hands on some Australian editions of Jane Harper's novels.
2: Oh, that's such a good idea. Okay, okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm an enabler. I'm so sorry.
2: (laughs) I that that is an amazing idea. Of course, why didn't I think of this? Yes,
1: I'm I'm down. We like to collect different editions of certain books and certain authors in this household. Like, I will not. 100%. I will not say how many copies of it by Stephen King I own partially oh. because I can't quite keep track. Um <laughs> that makes me so happy. I I think Stephen <laughs> King is a good author to
2: collect different editions of.
1: Oh man, I have we have like half of our bedroom wall is just taken up by Stephen King books. Just oh, I love across it. just like I've got these really solid wood shelves that have been there I think since my first apartment, I think Blaine helped me put them up in my first apartment and they just keep expanding as he writes new books and I keep collecting new editions. Uh, I love it. <laughs> that that makes my heart so happy. <laughs> oh, wait, have you read his
2: eleven, twenty two,
1: sixty three? Oh my gosh, yes. I have okay. read it I once have, and okay. I've listened to it once. And that is <sighs> okay. one of my favorite Stephen King novels of all of his novels. Like oh, it God. is okay. so good.
2: Okay. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but anytime someone mentions the name of Stephen King, I like do this, you know, like my ears perk up. Like, what? Tell me more. (laughs) Tell me all you have read. But yes, definitely. More editions of favorite Australian authors. Done. Done.
1: So you all can send Ezra your
2: own ideas. (laughs) Yes, please. Yes. Open to recommendations starting now. (laughs) Awesome. Let's. Uh, I'm super excited about the discussion of our show.
1: Yes, I am too. There's so many different ways that we can interpret this, and I think we picked every way possible. Yes, <laughs> I think we got there. Um, <laughs> so, today's topic is
2: mysteries with games. And what we mean by games, and we'll expand on this as we move through our picks, is basically it could have the game in the title, it could be some kind of a uh, book where it's like metaphoric game like you know it's sort of it's a clue oriented where you have to chase down clues or you know it could be rich people playing pranks on their their evil games who knows you know it expands as we go but anything anything you've ever you know it also made me think of how many times I use the word game in a not gaming kind of way you know like is this all a game to you and it's like, and the moments I've said that.
1: Psychological games.
2: Psychological games. Oh my God. I feel like we should have had it again, you know, Gillian Flynn in here. <laughs> but but no, we talk about her way, as, way too much as it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yes. So we're excited about that. Mysteries with games. Katie, I'm going to let you go first because this is a book. The uh, This author had a book, I believe it came out last year that was about... Person who go who listens to this podcast and the podcast host goes missing and she goes on the hunt for that person because she believes that the podcast host left clues in the episodes of the podcast of what might happen to her, which is another. Very good
1: candidate for this. I could could have read either one of her books for this episode. I love it. Yes. But so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yes. So for anyone who is not familiar, well, obviously you wouldn't be familiar. I haven't even told you who the author is. The the book that Nazra is referring to is If I Disappear by Eliza, Eliza Jane Brazier. And the book that I read is her most recent book, which came out just a couple of months ago. It's called Good Rich People and really quickly before i jump into the description of this book i do have i have to throw out a bonus movie recommendation because this was the first thing i thought of when we talked about games and if you are looking for a a dark horror thriller comedy that is if you have to be okay with with some gore but it is one of the most gleefully delightful horror thriller movies I have ever seen. And this is the movie Ready or Not, which came out a couple of years ago about a couple, they get married and at midnight on their wedding night, they both join the groom's family who is super rich, super wealthy. They Their legacy has been built around games, like board games, that type of thing and it's tradition in their family at midnight whenever someone in the family gets married at midnight they all play a randomly selected game from this little contraption thing it might be tag it might be checkers it might be parcheesi and in the movie the bride picks the game randomly selects the game that they play and she picks hide and seek well that's the one bad one in the group because hide and seek the the family has to try and hunt her down, and sacrifice her, basically. That's all I'm going to say. That's the premise that you get. But it is such a delightful movie. My husband and I have watched this movie on our last two wedding anniversaries. So (laughs) we watched it two years ago, loved it so much that we watched it again the, the year after that. And this may just become a, just a tradition of our own where we watch this movie on our wedding anniversary, because that's the kind of people we are. So if any of that sounds like something that might interest you, I am begging you to watch this movie. It is so good. Anyway, the book that I read is, like I said, it was called Good Rich People, and this is the entire book is kind of centered around a similar, a similar type of game in that you have this married well, you have this married couple, we have Lila and Graham, and they live in um they live in this huge mansion in LA, and they live right next door to Graham's mother, who is like this obscenely rich matriarch. And Graham and his mother are messed up people. And for them, between them, they have a game where they take in ten. They take in a tenant to live in the guest house that's basically below the the main house, and they devise ways to ruin that person's life in whatever you know, in whatever way that they can. It's very much a game of psychological manipulation, and it's just absolute cruelty. And at the beginning of the book, they have decided to take on another tenant, but this time they're telling Lila that it's her turn to play. She has to be in charge of manipulating and ruining this new person's life. So that's one side of the book. On the other side, we have Demi, who is the person living below them. And Demi is the type of person that has always, like, she's come from a really, really, really Difficult background with poverty and living in the family that was marked by addiction and illness and and when her father dies or er, dies early on, she's kind of she's basically left to fend for herself. She has to you know she, she basically she becomes she becomes homeless for a period of time and has to really she has to really struggle to survive. And her life ends up intertwined with Lila's and Graham's. And that's where I will leave the description. Needless to say, this book is full of twists and turns where you think you know where something's going, and then you're like, oh no, maybe not. And it's got a really interesting way of alternating the chapters. So you get some chapters from Lila's perspective, you get some chapters from Demi's perspective, and the way that they, like, they almost overlap to where you can't, like, You'll be like, Lila will, her chapters will talk about something, and then you switch over to Demi, and then as the story continues, you realize, oh, wait, we're getting up to that point that Lila mentioned in her, in her side of the book. So it's not perfectly alternating. There's like overlap as you start to piece together the, you know, the way stuff happens, or the, the order in which things happen. You're like, oh, I can, you know, you, you start to see how these, how these different pieces fit together, which I thought was really, really interesting. This is definitely an over-the-top, ridiculous, rich people problems kind of novel. Like, it's so... The the things that these people do with the money that they have, this almost feels too exaggerated to be believable, but then you stop and think about it and you go, is it though? Like, you know, is it really? And so there's a lot of things being said about class and wealth and privilege and you know what it means to be you know someone who has money versus someone who doesn't someone who has a house versus someone who doesn't and yeah there's there's a lot of stuff going on but yeah it is it is ridiculous it's over it's over the top i legit read this book in like a single sitting like yesterday i started I think I got maybe like 30 pages in, like in the afternoon. And then in the evening, I was like, all right, I'm going to try and see how much of this book I can get finished before the podcast we record the next day. And the next thing I knew after dinner, I was reading it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm over halfway through this book. When did that happen? So I'm like, all right, this is just going to happen. So I I just parked my butt on the couch and just read until I was finished. And yeah, so it's definitely a page turner. It's definitely a book to look at if you're interested in... Like psychological games, if if that's how your mind interprets this game theme, this would this would be a really fun one to pick up. So again, that is called Good Rich People by Eliza Jane Brazier.
2: That sounds intriguing. Is where I will leave it at. And I I do, I, <laughs> love, I just love those books where you just cannot stop reading. And I feel like another book that comes to mind was the the latest one by Samantha Downing, the one that was the Professor one. Oh, of course, I cannot remember it when I need to. I'll remember it.
1: I know which one you're talking about, and I can't pull the title out of my head either.
2: It's it's the one about the professor, the privileged. Anyways, if you know it, you know it. Uh, for your own good. For your there, own we go. good. there we go. There uh, we go. That was another book where you were like, this is a little too ridiculous for me, but I'll go with it. And you go with it, and you're like, yep, but still, it's like a heck of a read, and you just finish it in one go. And, and that's fine, too. You don't need to take everything too seriously. It's, you know, sometimes it's fine. Anyways, before I move on to my pick, uh, let us have the second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W.
3: Norton & Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic focused and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like, a bit of a mess then the silver blood promise by James Logan is for you in its academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Gordova's life is in shambles all he's got going for him is one he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine so they're you know those are the positives so when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks
2: again to Tour Books for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> All right, so my first pick is Never Have I Ever by Jocelyn Jackson. And I believe I've talked about this book before, but I could not remember when. So I'm assuming that it's it's a long enough time. But in this book, what the reason I picked this for this particular theme is because our story unravels while a group of people are playing the game Never Have I Ever, so it's basically we have Amy who is happily married she has built a good life for her she like she has a close knit group of friends she lives in a nice community and she enjoys hosting book club and one day during book club it's a new resident of the neighborhood comes in uh, just rings the doorbell and decides to join in into the, like just decides to show up for a book club unannounced and if you have been in a suburban book club you know that's a faux pas do not do that do not go in there without approval from somebody the, so the uh, so the new resident says you know let us play let us play our game off. never have I ever instead of uh, instead of discussing you know the book again another faux pas don't be that person but anyways So they start playing that game, and what she's trying to do is basically put Amy on the spot because Amy immediately Amy immediately realizes that the new resident has some sort of uh, has like knows about a past that Amy's running away from. So she very cleverly maneuvers the game where you know everyone starts getting drunk, they're all revealing their secrets, and then it's Amy's turn to sort of you know, she's just like lured into this situation where all, everything she's worked for is about to crumble. But Amy also, you know, she's not just gonna back down. Like She has worked really hard to build the life that she has now. So she also is putting up a bit of a fight. And it's, again, to your point, Katie, it's like a psychological game situation is happening where... There's an external game going on, and then there's an internal battle of the wills going on between these two characters, and of course, the whole time you're also getting these backstories, and you're you're learning of the like the extent that people go to to you know derailize their ideas of what an ideal life should look like, and of course, you know it's like a classic suburbia gone wrong situation as well where you realize you know that the plot holes in the suburban dream and it's also very much about you know the politics involved when there's this group of p the power plays that go into it right the power dynamics that are always shifting even in a group of like close-knit friends so it's very it's very like edge of your seat sort of you, you go into it thinking it's just another book you know that you're going to read but it's very much like keeps you on your edge of your seat and it's 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 very well plotted very well based so yeah that's uh, never have i ever by jocelyn jackson for a game of never have i ever as the title suggests <laughs>
1: So I guess the real lesson is never play Never Have I Ever with a group of suburban women. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's a solid life, solid life choice.
2: Do not recommend games during a book club meeting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I said it. I said it. I'm that person. But continue. Yes, Katie, what's your next pick?
1: (laughs) So my next pick is much more in the metaphorical area. There's some psychological aspects to it, but this book has been described as like a literary equivalent of a chess match. And this book, um, it's been a while since we've talked about it on the show. I know I mentioned it a few years ago. I remember Rinsey had mentioned this book as well and she really loved it. This is The Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. And this book is really interesting because it's it has a lot of elements of a of a mystery in terms of how tightly plotted it is, like clues and stuff, but you know what you know like the murder you know the murder happens in the first couple of chapters of the book and you know who killed the person like that it is there's no question about it you know this person killed killed this other person for x reasons and there's another character who steps in to help this help this person out he has an obsession with her and he or this quiet kind of obsession he's a next door neighbor and he's like i can help you so that you won't be caught by the police now the way the book is set up then is it's it really is like a a battle of wits or a chess match between the the neighbor who is trying to keep this this woman that he is quietly obsessed with he's trying to keep her out of trouble and so he is trying to trying to plot his moves against what the police are doing to investigate. So it's very much this kind of cat and mouse back and forth type of interaction. And so he he and one of the people investigating who's not actually a police officer, but I believe a physicist. Like the um the man who's trying to cover up the crime is a mathematician, and the other one's a physicist. So there's it's very when i think the word precise is a good word to to use with this story because you have these two very logical very very mathematically scientifically minded people who one of them doesn't realize who they're in a battle of wits with but they know that you know someone someone else is watching them and kind of judging judging their their move and it's a it's a very different type of mystery novel. And so this is one that I would recommend to I wouldn't I don't want to say it's reminiscent necessarily of like the golden era of mysteries like Agatha Christie necessarily. But it has enough elements to where this could be a good read like for someone who maybe has gone through everything that Agatha Christie has ever written and is looking for something different but still has some of that same feel to it. So yeah, this one is a really good one. It's um yeah it's enjoyable the end the ending has i think has gotten some mixed reviews overall that tends to be more positive if you're looking for something where everything's kind of tied up real neatly with a bow prob- you may want to pick a different book but it doesn't mean it's an unsatisfying novel which okay i i will i will stop i will stop yammering on about about the ending before i give something away and it's been a few years since I've read it, but that when I was reading back, uh, reminding myself of the plot, and I was going through some of the reader reviews on Goodreads, someone described it as a chess game, and I, like, I almost snapped my fingers and went, that's it, to the computer. So yes, if you're looking, if, if you're listening to this idea of games and wanting to take a more metaphorical twist on it, this would be a really, really good one to pick up. And again, that is The Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino.
2: All right, my next pick is uh, a book that is a recent release. It's called *Under Lock and Skeleton Key* by Gigi Pandian, and this is, I believe, it's going to be a series. So this is the first in the Secret Staircase Mystery series. And the reason I chose this for this particular theme is because you know, if you, if you are the kind of person who in your childhood liked to do treasure hunts and scavenger hunts and follow clues and go into secret hallways then th- this is a book that you're going to want to hug close to you and th- this is also perfect for breeders who enjoy cozy mysteries but who want a little more maybe like who want less form formulaicness to them I mean you know sometimes you go to Sometimes that's all, you know, sometimes a good formula, like something that you can predict is all your heart desires, but sometimes it's nice when, you know, things are mixed up. So this is that, this is perfect for you if you want to, you know, mix things up. Our story is about Tempest Drudge, who was a great magician with her own Las Vegas show until an accident happened. Uh, she was accused and now she's back home living with her dad and her grandparents and trying to figure out what to do next. In the meantime, her father has offered her a job on his crew. And what her father does, basically, is he puts fun, magical things in homes like hidden walls, like hidden walls when you pull a certain book, like hidden rooms behind bookshelves. And he basically plans it in the architecture. But so, you know, Gigi, of course, she decides like you know, until she finds until she figures out what she wants to do, she goes for it. And that is how... Like, until that day she discovers a dead body in a wall, that uh, in a house that she was working on. And that dead body was her doppelganger from her show back in Las Vegas. And so it raises a lot of questions because Gigi isn't sure anymore if, was she, you know, was she the target of, and, you know, was... Whoever killed her assistant, her doppelganger—were they actually coming for her, or you know what's going on? And either way, there's a dead body in the house that the, her family was working on. So things get complicated very fast. And also, there's a family curse involved, and it's all uh, like Gigi has to put her knowledge about magic and illusions, and her dad like has—they have to team up, and they basically have to you know, solve clues and everything to find out like what's happening before, you know, because for such a niche sort of business, uh, word of mouth is all there is and they cannot let, let it slip that, you know, dead bodies are found in the walls that they built. So it's, it's a very, like, it's a very, it's a fun time is how I'll say. It's a very, like, I, I mentioned this book a lot, but if you enjoy Tuesday, Tuesday Mooney talks to ghosts, You'll like this one. You're like, this is perfect for you. So again, that's Under Lock and Skeleton Key by Gigi Pandian.
1: All right. And then I have just one bonus recommendation that I decided I'm just going to throw in there. I didn't get a chance to read it. But when we first decided on this theme for this episode, my mind immediately uh, jumped to the book We Are Watching Eliza Bright by A.E. Osworth, which is kind of a fictionalized take on the Gamergate just chaos that happened like five years ago, and because the book does center around a female uh, video game coder and her whose private life becomes very public, and now it finds herself the subject, uh, the target of online harassment. So when she said games, my my mind immediately jumped to this one. So there's another take on this idea of games, not not necessarily board games or classic stuff, but video games and the culture for better or for worse that has kind of become associated with video games and coding and and that that whole industry okay i'm i think i'm done with my bonus recommendations (laughs) i realized i dropped a couple in there but yeah so obviously this is this is a this is a fun theme like you know and i like the ones that we come up with that do have such a wide interpretation so if you have any of your own picks that you would like to that you want to throw out to us please let us know or if you've got some brand new interpretation that we haven't mentioned please let us know because as as always we're looking for for lots of different ways to expand our reading horizons and our interpretations of stuff and i just find this stuff so fun And with that, let's uh, go ahead real quickly and jump into our new releases. And Nezra, I'm going to let you go first, because when I gave you the pick of which which new release you wanted to do, when you mentioned this one, I was like, I want to read this one too. So (laughs) I,
2: yes, so the... New release for this week, uh, one of the new releases is We Lie Here by Rachel Housel Hall that comes out July 12th. So by the time you're listening to this episode, it will be out and about for you to read and buy. If you have not heard me talk about I think we've both talked about Rachel House Hall substantially, but she is, uh, she has written uh, and now she's gone and these toxic things. And she is one of those authors that writes junkster of books. Like her mystery novels are not short, but, but, and, but that's because she is, like she devotes her story to her characters and she just does such a fantastic job at them. these toxic things was, um, Like, they're very unique stories. And uh, so, yeah, you just, you just glad she takes you along for the ride. So this one um, is about TV writer Yara Gibson, whose hometown of Palmdale, California, isn't her first choice for a vacation. Um, But she's back to host her parents' 20th anniversary party and find the perfect family memento for the celebration. Everything is going according to plan until Yara receives a disturbing text. I have information that will change your life. This message is from Felicia Campbell, who claims to be a childhood friend of Yara's mother. But they've been estranged for years. Drama best ignored and forgotten. But Yara can't forget Felicia, who keeps texting, insisting that Yara talk to her before it's too late. But the next day is already too late because Felicia, whose body is found, floating in Lake Palmdale. Before she died, she left Yara a key to a remote lakeside cabin. And in the basement are files related to a mysterious tragedy, an unsolved crime since 1998. What secrets was Felicia hiding? How much of what Yara knows about her family has been true? The deeper Yara digs for answers, the more she fears that Felicia was right. Uncovering the truth about what happened at the cabin all those years ago will change Yara's life. Or end it. Again, that's We Lie Here by Rachel Housel-Hall, and this comes out July 12th.
1: All right, so for my new release that I am excited about, this was one I actually had not heard of until I started looking at what was coming out um, over the next week or so. So there we go, another another book to add to my TBR. And this is a true crime book called Helltown, The Untold Story of a Serial Killer on Cape Cod by Casey Sherman. And not only had I never heard about, or had I not heard about this book, I had not heard about the case that it talks about either. So basically, the book is like before Charles Manson, there was Tony Costa, the serial killer of Cape Cod. So this takes place in New England, in Massachusetts, 1969. And Tony Costa is basically the center of the hippie scene in Provincetown, Massachusetts. He is known as sire to this group of young women that he has brought into his inner circle. He is the leader of their counterculture movement. He speaks very eloquently. He hands out drugs like candy. But beneath this persona lies a very strong, uncontrollable rage that threatens to break loose at any moment, and Tony Costa is basically the most dangerous man on Cape Cod. So obviously, immediately, you can start to see the parallels between Charles Manson and Tony Costa and, you know, this whole idea of, you know, of cults and cult leaders and, and whatnot. And so so he's kind of creating this inner circle of devoted women, and then young women begin to disappear. And much like other serial killers that we may be familiar with, for example, Ted Bundy, Costa's natural charisma and his handsomeness, it basically protects him from suspicion. But then as more bodies are discovered, the police start to close in on him as the key suspect. Along with this all happening, you have... Kurt Vonnegut and Norman Mailer, yes, those those authors, they are trying to secure their legacies as great literary icons, and they both set their sights on Tony Costa and the hippie culture that he embodies. And They both are like, this is what we're going to write about next. And this launches investigations that stokes the competitiveness between these between these two writers. So there is a lot going on here. Not only do you have the, you know, kind of the standard serial killer crime investigation, but you also have this other layer of two of the, yeah, the most famous writers in America that are using this subject as the backdrop for their own literary ambitions. So... Yeah, so this this book just feels like it has a lot going on. So not only you have those elements, you have the time of nineteen sixty nine and the hip and the hippie culture, and everything that that period in time represented. But it's also set in New England in Massachusetts and Cape Cod, which is not the first place that you think of when you think of counterculture. And so I just yeah, it just seems like this book has a lot of different elements at play here. And so I'm really interested to see just kind of how they intertwine. It just seems like the type of book that it seems like the type of book that you read and it would be like, If you could, if this were fiction, like you could not get away with it just because it's so bonkers. And yeah, so again, that book is called Helltown, the Untold Story of a Serial Killer on Cape Cod by Casey Sherman. And this is also out on July 12th.
2: And that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen Or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at betterdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Jabed Nasra.
1: That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.